Welcome to episode three of the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. I'm Jason Tucker, and I've settled over a billion dollars in copyright claims for the world's largest studios. Over the last 15 years as the expert pirate hunter, IP problem solver, and enforcer, I have helped shape copyright law, the processes, and the landscape that exists today. So how do you keep your IP organized, protect it from pirates, and make even more money off of your content? With real-life insight and stories from the trenches, this is the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We are going to be taking a deep dive into piracy. Before we get into that, if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe on whatever podcast player you listen to, so that way you never miss an episode, because these are pretty phenomenal episodes. And then also, make sure that you leave us a review, because we'll be reading those out loud on our podcast in upcoming episodes. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about internet pirates and like, what is an internet pirate? What is that? What's piracy? What, what is this? So is this like somebody, when I think of an internet pirate, I think of like this 35 year old bachelor living in mom or grandma's apartment, like hasn't showered in three weeks, wearing sweatpants, fingers yellow from Cheetos or Doritos or whatever, has her diet Mountain Dew ready to go, like hasn't slept in a while. What? Am I close? Is this what it, what is a pirate? Are they just like super fans? Well, I think, I think what you're describing is, is more a gamer in training, uh, or an older gamer in training, or even a consumer of certain types of work. When I think of certain types of work, (laughs) when I think of pirates, uh, I think of enterprises because these are, these are criminal, yeah, these aren't individuals. These are teams and and people go, oh yeah, these are teams of, of, of individuals eating Doritos in their basement. No, absolutely. Throw that out. Picture this for a second, a three-story building that they own, a team of people who just work on graphics and viral content every single day. The next level is doing nothing but gathering the content and curing it. And then the next level is figuring out all of the advertising pieces, the monetization pieces, the affiliate deals that they can do and where they're pushing the traffic to and monetizing it. These are criminal, these are operations and they're all over the world. In the United States, overseas, I've seen them literally all over the world. Romania, Bulgaria, Russia, Norway, Sweden, you name it. They're also trying to hide out like they're in those places, but really they're in Los Angeles working for big companies. Well, we've seen that too. So let's stop for a second. So yes, we found enterprises in Los Angeles, but again, they have offices. They have staff. They have corporate retreats. They have 401k plans. Right. Uh, They're providing insurance, foosball tables, and Doritos (laughs) in the break room. They have a break room. And so they're monetizing content at high levels. And it's not just the most people go, oh, well, they're only doing that to the most popular people in my field. Mm, No, they're going to do it with whatever they can make money with. And so they're going to beta test like you would beta test a funnel or uh, a process. They're going to do the same thing. And if your content's moving or they need filler content, they're going to take the newest stuff and fill it uh, into a member's area. You're getting hit and you don't know unless you look for it that your stuff's actually getting hit. The other thing that people go talk about is they go, well, that's not, and I've heard this and I still don't understand. Like for, for me, it doesn't process. That's not my audience. My audience wouldn't do that. What the fuck? These people 
They own a three-story building. Let's use that as an example. Most of the time, these pirates have a bigger team because their cost of entry is less than the big content producers. How can I say that so blasé? Really simple. They didn't have to pay for the fucking content, which is where the biggest expense ends up happening. Yes, you may spend a lot of money on advertising, but you had to, you had to map out the content you created and think of all the steps that you had to go through to create that content. They don't have that. They just go find your stuff. They take it. So immediately, if it took you $300 or $3,000 or $300,000 to produce whatever your, your content is uh, on a whatever basis, that cost is not there for them. Yeah. So it's really just a monetization machine. And they're really good at what they've done. They're we've very looked, good at what they do. Yeah, we've looked for other, like I'm big in the internet course people, like I love those influencers and stuff. And we've gone and looked at some of their, looked for some of their courses to see if they've been stolen. And some of these pirated sites, you can't even really tell that it's not that. No, because they have a graphics department yeah. that's really damn good. Yeah. So you, you look for, um, whose who stuff have we found? So Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield and um, uh, people of that level that are playing on that field, their content is available on these sites. And at oh. first, I wasn't able to tell if this was an affiliate of theirs or if this was an actual pirate. Now, you're listening to somebody who's been doing this for 15 years tell you that. It was that good. And so the only way I was able to see that is it's because there wasn't tracking that mirrored what Amy and Marie are using. Don't go buy their stuff stolen. You're going to miss out on their whole community, which is really where the value oh, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. That's they, my they, little. No, no. And, and absolutely. It's not, it's, it's not, a, it's not a plug for, for, Hey, go find it cheaper at a pirate site, but just know that they're also getting cert. They're also optimizing for search engines. They're advertising in ad networks potentially the same or different keywords in areas where you may not even be buying those keywords because you don't even have access to those ad networks. And you go, well, how? Do, why don't I have access to those ad networks? Well, you're not spending a half a million dollars a month in advertising. Right. Some of these closed off ad networks that really provide some really juicy conversions or lead gen, unless you are playing with big dollars, you do not get an entry permit. You don't get a ticket to the party. This isn't Facebook. This is, no, this is absolutely not. No, face, no, it's not Facebook. It's better than Facebook right. because the CPA is actually cheaper, but you have to spend a tremendous amount of money to be in there. And you go, well, how can they afford to do that? Easy. They didn't have the cost of content. So they take all the costs that they would have spent on content and they roll it into advertising and then they get to make more money. So that's just one example of, of what these is. So where is it? So depending on the industry you're in, these people could be anywhere on the planet as it relates to uh, what's really popular now where I was, I was, I was asked to look at a situation that was going on for a company that provided products into the CBD market. They have a patent and they unequivocally are getting copycat production going on. So they said, can you take a look and what can, what can you do about this? So using that as an example, this was a global enterprise. So I took a look at it and what did I find? I found the manufacturing plants in China. I found the routes that they were taking to bring it into the United States. I figured out the ports they were bringing it into. I figured out how they were distributing it. So you go, okay, well, that's not me because I produce a different type of situation. Okay, well, here's how it now involves you. They now get it. And just like a drug dealer, they distribute it to their affiliate network. That affiliate network is now marketing it on Instagram. They're actually selling it on Facebook. They're selling it on the other social media platforms and eBay, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. And it's created a situation where this company is really having trouble maintaining a market presence because the copycat stuff is outselling the source material 
And their biggest problem is education because they let this problem go on so long. This is why I encourage you to take action as early as possible, even if you don't have any intention of doing anything in the long run. The sooner you can stop that flood from happening, the less it becomes a flood and the more it becomes a stream that you can control on some level. So before I go down that that rabbit hole, let's go back to this. So the dismantling of that criminal enterprise will solve elements of that, but what is going to stop the stuff that's already here or the other stuff that's going to keep flooding in. So what do you do about that? Well, you need to get in front of it and you need to really figure out what you can do to work with them. Because even if you arrested everybody, there's still somebody who's got tons of this stuff and they're going to continue selling arrested it. Arrested everybody? Well, because it's the the space that it's in, federal law is still, marijuana is still illegal, right? Uh, so the CBD, yeah. unless it's industrial, made from industrial hemp, is still illegal in the United States. So now you're involving, potentially you can involve the DEA and some other uh, federal agencies, some other international organizations, because now you're part of a criminal enterprise that's, that's, that's moving drug-related situations. But from a marketing standpoint, which is really what I, I, I want to focus on, is that that these affiliates, and I'm using the word affiliates, and you go, well, these are just other pirates. No, they're part of an affiliate network. They sign up using, they get an affiliate code, and when they make a sale, they get paid for it. So it's operating no differently than you would operate your site. And they're able to offer it at a cheaper price point, and because they don't have that initial cost for the the content, they can pay that back to the affiliate. How does that work in an affiliate network? Well, if I sign up for Let's use Amy as an example. So if we were to sign up and get permission to go with Amy and Amy's paying, and I don't know what she's paying as an affiliate. Let's say she's paying $25 and the pirate enterprise sees that they could pay out 50 bucks. Right. Well, you go, how could they pay out 50 bucks? Well, their, their, their ability to disperse money is more because they don't have that cost of entry and they can sell it at a cheaper price point, which means, and they can resell to that same person because if they like this, they're going to like that and they're going to like that. So their funnels are really high and tight too. They operate no differently than you do. They just they just operate. Or maybe they do. It's just next, next level stuff. Well, right. It is. It, it is. Company. Yeah. I've learned a lot. Listen, some of the smartest programmers and some of the smartest people I've met are in these enterprises because they've had to come up with ways of operating that most people haven't even thought of. And they've been doing this a lot longer than most people. And even when they come in, we're not talking about small chunks of change. We're talking about... And people always throw out big numbers. They go, this is a this is a $5 billion a year cost. To da, 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 da. Okay, that's fine. But let's take it back to something that's actually quantifiable. If you are making $10,000 a year, they're able to make $100,000 a year. It's just that dramatic of a difference. And so how the math works out and the statistics, I really don't care about because the problem is still the same and I'm about the solution. Just realize that. And so uh, it doesn't mean that that you should turn a blind eye to it. It just means know about it and know that it exists so that you can at least be able to discern the difference and realize that if this is happening or not, all hope is not lost. But if you let it go on too long, then it could cost you more to put a stop to it than if you took little steps in the very beginning. And that's really the key. And that's really what the whole purpose of this is for the podcast for you and and the other tools that we're providing, because I want to teach, we want to teach what we know to help you be better at what you do. It's just, it's a support mechanism. This is unfortunately or fortunately second nature for me, but that's because I've been living it for so long. So it's, it's, it's the, it's the world I've been in as well as the other world too. So I've, I've played in the white and I've played in the black and, and I know how to mix them together and walk gray. So what we're doing right now is we're putting together some course material. Uh, haven't quite decided if 
we're going to charge for that or if we're going to offer that for free. We're still working on that model. I think we can talk about this right now. You want to talk about this on a podcast? I don't have a problem with that. I think the how you do it should be free. And then we'll figure out what we're going to charge later. It's because it's that. Imp- now, for now. Yeah, you know, for now. It's that important for people to take the steps to register their work. And I haven't seen any videos that really make sense to me who's registered a tremendous amount of work. So as it relates to content that can be registered with the U.S. Copyright Office, and even if you're foreign, you should register your stuff with the U.S. Copyright Office. International law will um, will cover you. There's 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 treaties and whatnot, that, like the Berne Convention, that, that there's signatures that cover all of that. I don't need to get into that, but what we do need to get into is I think that if people watch these screen flows and they follow the process and they register their work, then they at least have a point A and their portfolio is building. And so they can take action later, or even if they don't take action, when they send a notice, it has teeth. Because that's the other thing. I've heard, well, you can just send a notice. Okay, we send in excess of thirty to 50,000 notices on a soft month. And... In most of those instances, we're sending second notices and third notices. So that doesn't involve the original count. So you go, well, you send a notice. Let's just say you send one. That doesn't mean that you're dealing with a good actor who's necessarily going to take it down. So sending a notice and hoping for the best isn't an anti-piracy campaign. It's you sending an email and maybe something will happen. But if I'm making X amount of dollars and you don't know how much I'm making with your content and I receive that notice depending on how my setup is, you may not be able to really get to me. So if you're sending it to my host, I can change hosts. And in some countries, your host doesn't care. That host doesn't care that you're sending a notice because they're more concerned about protecting their client. If they are a good actor, granted, they're going to take it down. But at some point, if you're if you're too aggressive with them, they may just stop or they may shift. We've, we, using the, the LA as an example, we have affected... I've been a contributor. I believe that I've been a contributor to some of the problems that go on right now. And here's what that means. I was, we were, we've been so aggressive with DMCA notices for so many years and we've hit people so hard that we've actually sent them overseas. So did we stop them? No, but they were able to create these operations overseas where they get to continue doing what they're doing. And now they don't need to really answer our notices. So they know that they're somewhat bullet resistant. So what do we do? And in those situations, we go to those countries and we figure it out. And we built strategies, but we forced people offshore in some respects. So that's just, I don't know where I'm going with that, except I've, I've, we've created a, a bit of a, of, a, of a bigger problem. Well, in some and that's respects, not so. always the, a terrible thing with some of the countries. It, you know, you feel like, oh my gosh, they're in China. Oh, gosh, China's they're... awesome. So here's a kicker out of China. Melissa just brought that. China, China's like a spike for me because depending on the content, okay, let's talk about porn for a second. Yeah, there was a transition. So, um, Porn is illegal in China under certain circumstances. And if you do not, uh, like in Japan, you have to mosaic out the the parts, uh, the the pink bits, for lack of a better term. And the, um, what did they call it? Frankenbeans and, and there's something about Mary. So those things have to be mosaic out. In China, it's not legal, period, end of story. So what does that mean in, in, in China? 
I love finding porn pirates, pirate enterprises in China. And these people also have offices and they have staff and everything else. Because what I do is I will document everything and then I will send them a notice. And it's not just a takedown notice. It's I tell them to stop it. And in the absence of that, I don't know what's going to happen to them. And it actually says that in the letter. And I send it to their host and I send it to everybody I can find, the registrar, et cetera, in the hope that somebody is going to get it to them. And within three weeks... If I do not see a significant change from that Chinese operation, my next email is to the Chinese government and I send them all the information, the documentation, the addresses that I found, the email addresses I found, the physical addresses I found. And amazingly enough, the site goes offline and I don't know what happens to the people. So that goes back to something that you asked in a different podcast about where the bodies are buried. I'm not sure if they're in Chinese prison, or, but here's what I know. We solved the problem. Yeah. And Some people may not like that, but it is what it is. It is what it is for those situations. And in an upcoming podcast, we're going to be talking about how Jason knows how to find stuff and how he's been trained to whatever extent. There's some of this that's already out there on other people's podcasts, but we're going to talk about what you're able to help Microsoft roll out and what you've been able to do with some of the other companies. Sure. And what you've been introduced to, because that's kind of interesting stuff too, whether or not... <laughs> even if you're not interested in intellectual property. But in the meantime, to get the training and to be in our world, in our in our tribe, in our circle, the best thing to do is to go back to the website, intellectualpropertyhq.com, and sign up to be on our list. That way we can notify you when new trainings come out, when new blogs and podcasts come out, we'll keep you in the know. The other thing that you want to do is subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast player you're listening to. And then, you know what? If you really want to have a closer connection, come be part of our Facebook group. There's only right now 133 people in there. We know everybody in there, not personally, but we know everybody no, in there because, because we've helped them out. Yeah. On we, some level, people ask questions, we give them answers. Yeah. You have to, you have to answer the three questions to be allowed in. Jason's going to go through and make sure that you're legitimate and not, um, a pirate or not. I don't care. In. Honestly, I don't care if the pirates are in there. Cause here's what I would say. I don't, I'm not trying to hide what it is that we do. And I'm not trying to hide who I am. Okay. But you can't spam our group. No, you can't spam. Absolutely not. If you spam, well, we're going to put some pirates to work on you. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't mind pirates knowing what's going on. And if they want to be part of the conversation, that's fantastic. Cause it goes back to those relationships. If I can be in relationship with a pirate and I, and that, that relationship affects one of our clients or I, I, even in the Facebook group, I mean, I'm, I don't have an off switch if you haven't figured that out yet. So I would say use me like a gun. If you've got a problem, let's figure it out together and let's get you to a better place. And that's and that and so where was I going with the the pirate part of that is that um if I've got a relationship with a pirate and I run across your stuff and you go, look, this is a problem, I now have somebody I can reach out to in my Rolodex and go, look, I'm working with this person, knock it off. Yeah. And they know and more there's a level of respect that exists uh even if you don't like me. Or even if I don't like you, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to respect what it is that you do and maintain that relationship. Because uh, if I ask you to do something and you can do it, then we all live to fight another day. And now it's it, it solves the problem, right? And I think it's probably fair to say that you already know a lot of these enterprises, people, the players that are in that pirate space. Well, because- yeah, because there's not that many of them on the planet. Yeah. I mean, there's there's new players that come up all the time. But here's the thing. It's no different than putting out a new type of of piece of work in a, in a particular niche, right? The barrier of entry with more people coming in is higher and higher, but the biggest players are still going to be the biggest players as long as they keep doing what they're doing. So 
I watch, I've got my list of like, okay, here's a new person or here's a new enterprise coming up and I'll go back and visit them in six months or I'll go back and visit them in a year or two. Um, because let's see if they mature. And if they do, and I'll try and get in with them too. Like, like, Hey, I see what you're doing. This may not be a good idea with these people or, or this, that, and the other, or, or I'll hit them with a few notices just to kind of go, Hey, look, because here's the kicker. If you do research on who we are, this is why our, our notices get responses so quick, because when people do research, they realize that I'm a dog on a bone. If you're not going to work with us, I always say this, like I wait in the tall grass, but it's no joke. There's a guy uh, that was running an enterprise that we ended up settling with a couple of years back. And I can't, it was like somewhere like three years. And you, you'd mentioned it in another podcast. This person was trying to look like they're all over the world. And that's not an uncommon thing. They try and look like they're in Iran. They try and look like they're in Singapore. They try and look like they're in, in, in Norway, or they try like the people love the Netherlands because, you know, they, they protect a lot or they're looking like they're in Canada. And I'm not going to say who, and I'm not going to say where, cause I, I can't under a confidential settlement, but I will say that that we were able to find this person and they were practically in our backyard. So I'm just going to say that if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you're a podcast listener, so you probably do have some type of business where you're creating online content of some sort or you have some type of intellectual property of some sort. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to us. So we would love to get to know who you are. Come join our community. Yeah, let's create a conversation. I like that. If you have any questions for Jason, you can message him and he's uh, really responsive, especially if you're inside the group. And is there anything else? No. All right. Well, I'm, talk, I'm curious to what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> we'll tune in next week and find out. Jason Tucker is not an attorney. All of the information shared on this free podcast is his opinion and not legal advice. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. See you next time.